we would love to hear from you what the Lord is doing in your life or have seen in others. Write us at stories at themillenniumbeat.com or call us and leave a voicemail at 407-624-9957. We at The Millennium Beat are looking forward to hearing what the Lord is doing in your life. Remember that The Millennium Beat is helping people share their stories. On today's show, we have Joel Thornton. He is with Child and Parental Rights Campaign. Pastor Charlie Coker is Senior Pastor of Identity Church in Deltona, Florida. We set up a little round table and had a discussion about how to deal with sex trafficking in our society. Joel's perspective is from the world, being that he is a lawyer, and Pastor Charlie's perspective is from the church, being that he is the pastor. Now listen to the discussion that we had on sex trafficking and how the church can get involved to help combat this problem. Now on to our show. Welcome to the Millennium Beat Podcast, where we like to encourage the world one story at a time. Now get ready to hear stories from around the world that encourage and uplift you. Now to the show with your host, Kevin James. Thanks for joining us today. You have tuned into the right place. This is the Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James, where we like to encourage the world one story at a time. I have with me in the studio, Joe Thornton of Child Parental Rights Campaign and Pastor Charlie Coker of Identity Church in Deltona, Florida. Thank you guys for joining us today on the Millennium Beat. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having me. All right. All right, Joel, tell us a synopsis about yourself, a quick overview. Okay, well, I'm Joel Thornton. I'm an attorney and a Christian, and I work in uh, human rights. I've done a lot of international human rights work in Europe and around the world at different events. But I'm in the process of getting more deeply involved in the area of anti-human trafficking, and we're in the process of setting up an organization that can go after the roots of those problems and really try to deal uh, seriously with what's going on around the world and protect our kids. Okay. During this round table, we also have Pastor Charlie Coker. Hey, thanks for inviting me. Tell us a little bit about you and Synopsis. I'm Pastor Charlie Coker. I've been pastor in Identity Church here in Deltona for 14 years, which that in itself is a miracle. Um, And I've learned uh, I've learned a lot about myself in those 14 years. Um, I've traveled um, with a prophetic gift for years and years. The pastoral thing was kind of some healing and some putting some purposes into place and it seems like god is merging some of those callings and giftings and trying to do what god told us to do okay what we're going to do today on this podcast we're going to join from joel's point perspective is dealing with human trafficking and pastor charlie from the church perspective of human trafficking and we're going to join them together of how we can work together to combat this and stop this from happening in the united states so so why don't you set the floor, Joel, about a little bit about human trafficking? Well, you know, everybody's hearing about human trafficking now. It's kind of the, the costs are lab, and, and people are, are, are starting to engage, which I think is good. But we've got to get to a place where we really approach this thing very systematically. We can't just keep everybody doing their own thing. We've got to get some organization to this because this is organized crime we're fighting. Right. And most people probably... I don't know. It's a $150 billion a year industry. It involves about 20 to 40 million people uh, worldwide. It's hard to get exact numbers, and people will complain you don't have really good numbers, but right. this is a this is an organization that occurs all off the radar. There are no tax returns. There's no employment filings, anything like that, so it's hard to tell and, and know exactly what's going on. Uh, but it's it's going on, and it's going on in the neighborhoods of suburban America, 
It's going on in the cities. It's going on in the rural areas of America. It's going on all around the world. For years, we, we've thought of human trafficking as a problem that happens somewhere else. It's a thing that happens to Asian kids or right. African kids or even European kids, but it doesn't happen to America. And the thing that has really become obvious in the last probably 10 to 15 years is that this is also going on right under our noses in America. Mm. And, and so... You know, the government is engaged, and they're, they're doing the best they can. I mean, it's the government. So, you know, there's there's good they do, and then there's there's red tape that gets in the way. But all the government agencies in Washington and on all of the individual states, Florida, Georgia, everywhere else, are engaging in this. And their, their agencies are specifically reaching out to find ways to help based on what they do. You know, uh, the, for example, the GBI has a task force for human sex trafficking, that they're actively pursuing it. The FBI has a task force that does that. Um, all of the different agencies, housing and development, have wow. have agent. Their agencies have specific human trafficking task force or, or departments now, uh, so they're working on it. You know, Delta is working on this. They're training all their people in what to look for in an airport on an airplane, right. and so you're starting to get reports of people getting rescued or, or found out about on an airplane, and because the stewardess was paying attention, mm-hmm. and then. The hotels are engaged. They're training their employees. What do you look for when someone's checking in? How can you tell if this is a family or if this is a traffic? Is this a man with his young daughter or is it a man who's trafficked a daughter coming in? And so they, and how do you know based on the room usage and those kind of things? So there's all kinds of activity going on around the world about this. But what we're talking about now is, is we've got to get serious about this. And, and one of the most important parts of this that I think have, have been missed in a systematic way is the prayer that needs to go into this. And the prayer is the Air Force for the church. Right. And if we don't pray for people, and if we don't pray for this, and if we don't pray against the, the powers and the darknesses that are controlling this area, we're never going to do anything other than put some, some nice decorations on it to make it look a little better and make ourselves feel better. Right. And I've just reached the point in my life where I'm not interested in feeling better, I'm interested in doing better. And instead of saying, how do we do something that, that we can all pat ourselves on the back at the end and retire and go, well, we, we, gave, we fought the good fight, how can we get serious about this and actually eradicate it and end this thing? And so that's what we're looking at doing. Hmm. Well, before we get into Pastor Charlie to kind of rebuttal on a little bit, what is, um, you said something, GBI? Yeah, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. Okay. I'm sorry. All right. No, somebody listening like myself didn't right. know that. Word. <laughs> well, you know, sitting here listening to Joel, uh, as a pastor, you know, we I do a lot of men's conferences and things, and I preach, you know, don't do porn, don't do this, don't do that. And, and those are viable messages and need to be preached. But the bottom line is, you know, I think what Joel's saying is, that, you know, if we took porn out uh, away as an option, you wouldn't have to preach about it as much. And you're probably not going to get porn out of the hands of every individual now. And and so, so the church has to get a better understanding of the warfare and, and get people healed. Um, you know, when he talks about, you know, uh, sex trafficking, what has impressed me as, as I've been involved with his conversation is he wants to get to the root of some of this. Uh, you know, just chopping the tree down, you know, the, you know, only makes it grow back. He said that today in our message, but um, I'm looking from a pastoral side and, and I'm a businessman too. So I got a little more, um, I'm a little more militia minded uh, than maybe just a pastor. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, okay, wh- what's my portion in this? And, and I find that, you know, my, my real calling for racism 
has a lot to do with that. My my history of being an abuser and God telling me, you know, when you redeem your, your bride, I'll trust you with my bride. And I'm seeing that this is a trusted part of the bride of Christ as they come out of sex trafficking. They're going to need healing. They're going to need to hear a, a success story that God can change the heart of the abuser and the one abused. And he can bring that. And I, I'm just kind of, you know, okay, where does where and how does the church engage? You know, some of the things that are going to need to be done, the biggest thing would be you finance some of that militant things that, that we can't do, but the church can bring finances. Right. Uh, individuals will have uh, areas of expertise that need to be done. Uh, you know, I, I'm looking at, at what some things that Joel's talking about. I see two areas that, that my gifting and, and probably my responsibility to the body are there. And so I think as God puts people around this, he's planning. God doesn't, God doesn't plan on losing when he decides to pick a fight. Right. And my, my spiritual antennas are gone. God's about ready to pick a fight. He's needs someone to show up. So, but I think that the church, not, not the, not the manby pamby church, we're going to have to be their church the real church mm-hmm. you know we're, we're part of an army it's time to be one you know that's a really encouraging thing to hear from a pastor because what we've done so far as we've separated that out we've we've lived our life on the religious mountain and brought everything to the church and we're talking about the church going out into the into the world right and the church engaging in in the, this is a ministry into the darkest parts of this planet into the darkest parts of man's heart and I mean, you want to talk about depravity, you don't get more depraved than having this little concern for human life. And and to have the church saying, we're seeing that we need to be engaged in that in prayer and financial support, but also in how else can we help? Can we help counsel these girls that need yeah. it? Because we don't need these girls getting rescued and going into a secular counseling service that just basically tries to teach them how to heal with, with sexual pain because you've been abused. We need a church counselor, a Christian counselor that's working with these girls to say, only God can change your heart. And if he changes your heart, he can take all of this away, including the memory. Right. And nobody's done that. And we, we've been willing to live with, we can rescue them, but they're still wounded and there's no way to ever heal that wound. And that's just not acceptable. Yeah, while you were preaching today, uh, uh, I heard the Lord say to me, you have more of an, uh, of an arsenal than you think. And I'm like, like where Lord? Cause I mean, it's a big picture. You know, I'm, I'm being realistic. And he said, you just wrote a book about being baptized in innocence. How much are these girls going to need to know that they're innocent? Yeah. And I'm like, ooh, I didn't even see it. I, I didn't either until you said it, but now you're going, how do you not see that? I, I didn't see it. That's the, that's the secret to restoring these girls yeah. is, is giving them back to innocence. You know, and, and so you give them back to Christ in the finished work of the cross. They get back their innocence. Then they become childlike, and, and God can restore it. I I. I I would caught that while you were preaching. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, God, I, I do have something to bring to the table. And that, that's it. Listen, that's exciting, Kevin, because a lot of times pastors will hear these kind of words and go, "Brother, we're praying for you. We're we're in. We're going to pray for you. We're going to give you money." And, but they won't go. Wait a minute. God showed me how to engage, and that's what is exciting to me about this is that the church is awakening, and the church is saying it's not just your fight; it's our fight, and and it's not just something we're going to sponsor you in. We're going to engage with you. Because these pastors can be warriors out on this front line. There's no question yeah. about it. Yeah. I mean, actually, you know, so I was talking to the Lord, and the Lord says, and by the way, your second book uh, doesn't hurt 
with that. You know, my, my second book was From Rape to Righteousness, where I was the abuser. Susie was abused. And, you know, 25 years later, we're both healed and we're both functioning. I mean, that's a pretty good testimony. And, yes. I mean, it's not as dark as being, you know, trafficked, but the principles don't change. Well, it's the same root destruction to the spirit of a man. Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's that's the thing. And, and, and you know, I just really believe that the, the anointing, uh, that God's going to start releasing anointings that will bring transformations in people's lives, not just salvations. Mm-hmm. And when that transformation happens, that's when the true identity of a person in Christ comes to the forefront. And I mean, you said it, you got to, you want those emotions, those, those, even those emotional scars, you want, want them removed. Mm-hmm. They're not there. And so, yeah, I think, and I, I really believe this as, as we pursue this and go forward, we'll find other people with other giftings and other, you know, skill sets. Cause it's going to, it's going to need to be, it's got to be a broad tent. Right. Right. One of the things that keeps coming in my mind, Joel, is somebody's listening and saying, Hey, that stuff doesn't happen in my neighborhood or my community, my city. I mean, I live in a pretty middle-class or upper middle-class town. What would you say to them? Because it's, it's happening right underneath their nose. What would you say to them? I, I live in Rome, Georgia. The city population is 35,000. The county is a hundred thousand people, rural, Northwest Georgia, in between Atlanta and Chattanooga, the most removed, remote, out of the way little city you can find, just not really touched by the modern world. Six or seven years ago, my boss's daughter was at the at the um, Michaels, the art oh, yeah, supply yeah, store. She was in Michaels buying some stuff. A guy walked up to her. She's checking out. He got in line behind her and started a conversation with a nice guy, an older guy, pleasant. Nothing, no, no alarm bells going off at right. all. Starts talking to her about, uh, said something about her being a cowboy. She was a, she was a rodeo rider. She rode the poles and the barrel racing in rodeo mm-hmm. and, um, and started talking to her about, about rodeo and he had a cowboy hat on and he, he was, he just was engaging her in a conversation. She naturally wanted to engage him because she's a cowgirl. Sure. And she said, well, I wasn't thinking anything about it. And he, as I'm finishing checking out, he goes, Hey, listen, I've got a really nice Stetson hat in my in my truck that I think would fit you. If you want, I'll give it to you. Just since you're a cowgirl. And she was like, oh, that's really nice. And she said, I was about to walk out the door of this store in Rome, Georgia. And as I, as I turned and walked away from these alarm bells started going off. And she said, I thought, this is what my dad and Joel have been talking about. This guy is trying to, to woo me to his car to get me out of here to steal me. And she just, she got on the phone, she called us, we called the police and, and, you know, they never caught the guy, but she was able to stay away from it because suddenly somewhere along the line, she realized mm-hmm. in average America, in just a, a little city that, that shouldn't have this kind of problem, that here was a guy involved in trafficking. And that's what people need to understand. This is not an inner city problem. It's not a poor kid's problem. It's happening in suburban malls. In really nice malls all over the country, there are recruiters out there that are that are working on engaging with kids, and these are not creepy people. Right. It's not like your corner drug dealer who's sitting there, a gangbanger who's sitting there all weaponed up, and he's got drugs on him, and you can drive by and go, "I bet that guy's selling drugs." These are people you'd never suspect that if you sat down and had a coffee with them at a coffee shop, you might never be creeped out by them. You might, if you weren't really sensitive in the spirit, you might never pick up on what was going on at all. 
So other than that one example that you just gave there, what are a couple other examples that maybe your parents listening to so they can train their children to look for these things? I mean, that's a great example with, with the girl. Right. Um, some guy trying to give her a hat. and you know. And, but what are some other ways that maybe they might be trying? So well, that, one of the ways we know that they work is they work in malls. And they, they don't work as a group. They work as, as individuals that are spaced throughout the mall. And they just kind of sit in the mall during the day and evaluate kids coming in and out of the mall. Mm-hmm. Some of the groups they'll engage, they'll, they'll maybe say hi to them as they walk in, they'll, they'll read their body language. And if they, if they pick up on a kid that they think is susceptible to be in traffic, they'll call one of their, text one of their friends somewhere else in the mall, describe the girl or the boy to them and tell them, hey, approach them, and then they'll approach them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it'll be about a job. Hey, I've, I've, I'm, I'm working, uh, I work for a, a modeling agency and you know we, we're taking pictures of girls all day long and we need makeup artists and I noticed you did your makeup really well. Right. And so they're they're looking for things that that feel normal, that are too good to be true, but yet still within the realm of possibilities. Sure. So mm-hmm. you, if you're not careful, you're not the alarm bells aren't going off. They're not creeping you out. Right. And now they're they're involved in getting information from you. So they they may be getting your phone number, maybe getting your address, something like that. And they've got you engaged, and they've never they haven't done anything untoward at all at mm-hmm. this point. That's happening in malls all over the country right now. So mall is a very a trap in a sense. Anywhere uh, where kids are going to be by themselves is a trap, because a lot of parents will just drop their kids off at the mall and think that well they're safe. This is a nice suburban mall, and there's a security guard there, and, yeah, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. So now we know this is happening in a mall. I'm going to ask this question: Have you been aware of it ever happening in in church environment? In a church environment? Yeah. Now, I think the church right now is, is a pretty safe environment from trafficking standpoint. It's not necessarily a safe environment from sexual predators. Okay. As you know, that there, there are churches that have people that are pedophiles in the church and that we don't even know about. Right. And so I, you can't say girls are safe, but that's a different issue than sex trafficking. Because sex trafficking is where you're looking for kids to put in the business to basically work as a prostitute for okay. you. Against their will. Against right. their yeah. will. So. Or, or you're coercing them into it, or you're, uh, you're for, you're not always forcing them, but there's there's at least coercion involved where you you're using some manipulation to get them to do your bidding, right? And they're not doing it of their free will, so it is against their will. So from from that, what can the church do today to be more involved? If people are listening, pastors and evangelists and speakers, what would the church, from your perspective, what they what could do? And then we'll turn it over to Pastor Charlie. Well, you know, churches have to engage you know there's a big movement going on real literally worldwide about churches getting outside the the boundaries of the church and looking to minister more in the communities to have a more active life in the government of a local community to be at meetings talking to people they can engage they can engage with the police departments almost every local police department in the country now has a human trafficking group that is, is some people that are set aside that work there that are they're concentrated on that. They can go down and talk to them or go down and, and, and take them donuts and coffee. Go down and pray with them. Go, hey, sure. we hear you're fighting traffic, and that's got to be miserable. Could we just pray with you to lighten your day up a little bit, pray for safety for you? And, and all of those things the church can engage in. And then the church uh, can start educating their people on what to be looking for and educating their people on what the problem is. And I think that's huge. But the church getting engaged in the community and in the culture is going to be what turns the tide on this thing. So from your perspective, Pastor Charlie, what do you think your church, Identity Church, could do to help combat this problem? Well, I, actually, I think what, what Joel just suggested is just actually getting involved. Right. 
Um, you know, I mean, if we're targeting, you know, the, the, the trafficking issue specifically, then we need to go pray for those people in our community that are, that are on the front line of that, uh, that to me, you start taking down the, um, you know, the principalities and powers and you're protecting those that are doing that. Cause if you can't take care of your own backyard, don't, don't, you know, sometimes God will send you into somebody else's backyard to train you right. how to handle your yard. And so there, this misconception that I have to do everything here for myself is a misconception because there's many, many times God has sent me into other regions and come alongside because when you go into another region, you're coming through another man's gate of authority and you're partnering with him. Mm-hmm. And in that you're learning, um, you know, principles and, uh, of engagement. Um, you know, you, you start dealing with a, a, a principality over a power. It's a different principle. Yeah, that's when the prophetic starts kicking in and you know who you better know who you're partnering with. But but I think many, many times you go and you help someone that you know that you're in covenant with a relationship with in another region. And then you'll bring, you know, those same resources and things you've learned back into your own backyard. But the goal is to get your backyard and your friend's backyard cleaned up. Mm -hmm. So I think the church is going to have to start Instead of uh, just always looking at me, 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 you, you've got to look, you know, who needs my help? You know, does, does Joel need my gifting in that area? Do I need to come and connect in that area? I may just be prayer, maybe finances, maybe just, you know, some, some relational insight. But I do believe that when you cross-pollinate in, the, in regional stuff, um, what happens when I go into another region I'm undetected many times right? Mm-hmm. Where, where I'm detected here because I'm here, mm-hmm. but I can go in and, and do some spiritual warfare and do some spiritual damage just in, in praying uh, in another region and get things done on behalf of my brother. And so that's, that's the benefit of this networking. But locally, I still think, uh, you know, his suggestion in, in, is to get involved and start praying prayer covering over those and and become a lifeline mm-hmm. and if if all those relationships come about and somebody in volusia county goes hey you know we got this issue what do we do i got someone to call i got a group of people well this is what they did in rome georgia this is what they did in lafayette this you know you you've got you know wisdom and counsel in that and uh, so you're not you're not just completely by yourself unless you're not engaged right what would you say joel to people that might be listening that are involved not from the being the the master but being the slave what would in the they're stuck in it mm-hmm. what would you suggest to for them to do from this case well you know that, that's a hard thing to do uh, to deal with the people that are trapped because they often don't have access to phones they don't have access to the internet uh, oh. they're not allowed out of anybody's sight they're often kept locked up okay but I think if, if they have access, there's a there's a national hotline uh, that they can call. And I'll give that number out before we're done on the on this program. There's a national hotline that if anybody suspects they see an incident of trafficking or they see a victim of trafficking, they can call that hotline and get help. And okay. it's it's a it's an 800 number that works all over the country. It's designed. It's manned by by trained professionals who understand how to ask the questions. They understand confidentiality. They understand particular confidentiality in, in sexual abuse cases. So mm-hmm. whether it's a victim or an abuser or someone who just thinks they saw somebody, 
uh, they can call that number and, and get help. But, you know, if you're, if you are a victim and you're listening to this, uh, you just need to know that there's help coming and you need to know that you need to be looking for an opportunity to reach out and get away from where you are, that you don't need to necessarily stand passively by At the same time. You don't need to risk your life. Right. Uh, but, but you, you don't need to stand passively by if you get an opportunity, you take the opportunity and don't free be afraid to approach a stranger on the street and say, Hey, I need some help. I mean, right. nothing can be worse than what you're going through. Okay. You know, normally I wouldn't encourage a young person to approach a stranger on the street and say, I need help. <laughs> but if you're be if you're a victim of trafficking and you're approaching somebody, I think it's a, a risk worth taking in sure. that instance. Right. And, and now going over to Pastor Charlie, what would you say to them as a pastor, maybe dealing a little bit about their innocence because now they're not innocent anymore? Well, I think that's that's one of the mysteries of the kingdom. You know, Scripture is very clear. You know, there's mysteries in the gospel. Right. And, and I think it's a, it's a, it's mystical when the finished work of the cross makes you childlike. And I don't know of any childlike person that doesn't come through innocence. Right. And so it's part of the package. Um, and I really believe, I mean, come on, God is so um, detailed. I believe the revelation of innocence in the finished work of the cross is exactly what's needed as he starts uncovering this sex trafficking right. and the damage that the devil's done. God has already bringing healing. Okay. That revelation of innocence. Um, and I believe it's a mystery of the kingdom. Uh, I, I believe it, it, God's not going to uncover and leave them broken. And, and I think that's the process that the pastors in the church has got to understand. If we preach the fullness of the gospel, you do not need to live the rest of your life scarred. Let me give you a real quick example. Jesus probably would have had 2,500 to 3,000 scars on his body because of his crucifixion. The cat of nine tails, the nails, the, the beatings, the rods, the thorns. I mean, a couple thousand. Yeah. And that's how many times he was beaten. His body was been scarred. Right. So when the finished work of the cross happens, Jesus walks into his disciples and he shows them only two scars. What happened to 2,500? Mm. They were gone. Why? Because the finished work of the cross leaves no scars. Now, why did he only show the two? Because it was the only two they required to believe. So there is no scars when we come through the finished work of the cross. So we, we have these broken and bruised girls that are scarred. Get them to Christ. Get them through the finished work of the cross. And then they will only share the scars to heal somebody else. Mm -hmm. They use it as a tool. Right. When, you're healed. when you're healed, you share your testimony. You share your scars for someone else's benefit. But your scars don't destroy you when you're truly healed. Absolutely. Yeah. They're gone. Mm -hmm. you, you only, and Jesus, Jesus he said Thomas said, hey, I, until I put my finger in your side, until I put my finger in your nail print, I won't believe. Jesus shows up and goes, here, check these two out. All right. Why? So he could believe. So that, that is, I believe that, that God, and this is a blunt statement, if you understand the finished work of the cross, there's no excuse for the church not to get involved with this. Otherwise, I don't believe God will blow it open. Because then, then people won't get healed. So the revelations here, it's the participation that's required. So in other, in other words, I, th I think that the trafficking may not be exposed until the church is ready to handle it. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I also think that you can take it a step farther and say if the church doesn't step up to this, the church will find itself compromised. Absolutely. And not able to function at, at the level that God has for it. Mm-hmm. I think it's that I think the church is that important and, and I don't we've never really tied those two together. This is the first this is the yeah. first conversation that I've that anybody's having that I know of publicly about this. But the church has to engage on this and, and the church is I'm not I'm not saying that with with pastors are just refusing to engage. I mean, everybody that hears about this is ready to engage in it. That's, that's how devastating it is. Right. And it's encouraging to see so many pastors that are stepping up and saying, we're ready to engage. But I, I think it's critical for the church to engage because this is part of the church getting to the next phase of what God has for it. But I, I believe there's a lot of churches that, that have engaged, but maybe not to the, to the depth that, it, that they're going to need to engage. They may already have their systems in place and just need to take you know, a little counter turn on it. And so until it's presented to them, you know, there are, the opportunity still has to be presented. Right. I, I, you know, the Lord said something to me one day. He says, you know, I said something about all them Jehovah witness. He says, listen, he says, I just have one revelation and that'll be the best army I have right now. They do more work than, than the Christians do. Cause why they were a system. They're right. like, and, and I think Joel said it best, you know, if we don't get organized, we're going to lose. Why? Because it's organized crime and yeah. the church isn't organized enough, you know, but you know, you, I think the enemy is or, out organizes us. Yes. And in the bottom line, I think we have a lot of, um, uh, unused resources, untapped resources that are already in place and we just have to go preach the message, tell the story and, uh, you know, let, let God, let God hook the people. I mean, when Joel, when Joel shared that portion where, you know, how dark it's gotten and they used to order the girl at this height and this blonde and that, and now they're ordering them with because they're going to such perversion. Yeah. Um, he, he shared that story in Louisiana. It, 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 it hit me, it hooked me and, uh, it, it brought, um, it brought a, a grace to me of how thankful and gratitude that the Lord delivered me out of what right. that lifestyle of mine could have gone to. That's right. You know, yeah. sin always takes you further than you wanted it to go, keeps you longer than you wanted to stay, makes you pay what you never wanted to pay. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I don't want us to miss that Charlie's saying there is when, when we're talking about church engagement now, we're not talking about just churches praying and churches financing. We're talking about churches actively engaging and churches saying, Okay, we have some things. What, what do churches do better than anybody? They do marital counseling and they do sex abuse counseling better than anybody. Right. Uh, I, I mean, especially someone who's been through the brokenness that Charlie has and come out on the other side in the baptism of innocence. They know how to do that, and that's what these girls are going to need because we're no longer, we can no longer accept the idea that, well, these girls are going to be damaged for life now. There's no hope for them. If God is going to deliver them, we need to expect God to heal them completely as mm-hmm. well and restore them to innocence so that they can go back to having a normal life, have kids and not be scarred forever by the sexual abuse that they've been through. The world can't imagine that. The world's going to call us crazy for saying you can get completely healed of that. But if we don't do that, we haven't fulfilled this mission in my opinion. Yeah. I think we've been watering the gospel down too long anyway. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We we need to spike the punch. Thanks, man. (laughs) (laughs) Now, one of the things I see the church is, is you use the word um, awakening um, to the sex trafficking. And we're also in the political world, the evil that's going on. The church is in the process or needs to be awakened to see things that are happening in the, in the atmosphere 
that we might not see in, in the natural eyes. Which, so, so thanks a lot for baiting me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what I've, you've probably heard me say this, but today when, when Joel was, you know, laying his, his message out, I realized something that when you look at the first great awakening and the second great awakening, where the church came awake in America, uh, the first one was on the heels of um, the Revolutionary War. Do you realize racism was part of the issue that the church never dealt with? Mm-hmm. The Civil War, Second Great Awakening. So there's this national crisis, okay, and a move of God, an awakening. Mm-hmm. And and right now, I believe that, that the church has not dealt, um, you know, in, in the Second Great Awakening, they also did not deal with the slavery issue and the racism issue. And that seems to be what is pushing so much civil unrest right now is racism. I'm telling you, the racism has been dealt with. The problem is is, is the underlying uh, perversion of the sex trafficking. If the church ignores the root issues that need to be dealt with, we will never see a true transformation of a nation. Yeah. Right. And, and ignore the, the, the issue at hand, and the church will miss it again. Right. And and we can't. We got to go at it. That's right. You know, and 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 so much of the church we want to just kumbaya and Jesus loves you. Yeah, he does. But let me tell you something. You, you got to get involved. You got to get engaged. A pastor friend of mine said one time, he says, "My church is a battleship. It's not a cruise liner. We are on a, on on this battle to fight something and fight injustice." Yeah, it's one of your sayings. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. So in closing, what, um, Joel, what would you like to say to people? Um, maybe to how to contact you or whatever you want. Um, there's your floor for you. To okay. Do. Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to give out the national human trafficking hotline number. If you're, okay. if you're a victim of trafficking, if you think you're seeing traffic, if you're, if you're a perpetrator, you can call this hotline, turn yourself in, right. feel free. We'll, we'll be glad to, to take that call and, and send someone out to your house to talk to you. Uh, but, and if you're a parent that thinks you see somebody being trafficked or you think maybe, someone's trying to lure your child into this, you can call this number and report it. It's 888-373-7888. And I'll give it again in just a second. But that's the national hotline for human trafficking. For anybody to call for any reason, you can you can call and say, I'm being trafficked, here's where I am, and they'll send someone to come get you. They'll send the police to come get you. You can call and say, I just saw something suspicious happening at this shopping center or this mall. They'll they'll make arrangements to get a local police officer there. So they're they're trained professionals on this line that know what to do. And that number again is eight 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 three seven three seven eight eight eight. Okay. Okay. Um, and if people want to get in touch with me, I'm happy to talk to people about this. The best way is to do that originally by email, and they can email me at joel j o e l at i h r g dot o r g, which is International Human Rights Group dot org. Okay. And I'm, I'm happy to talk to people about this. We're looking to engage people in prayer, but also people who want to get engaged in this on, on some of the frontline stuff that's going on, educating people, because always, there always has to be an awareness part of this, because people, as hard as it is to believe, a lot of people still don't know what's going on. Right. Or they still think it's a foreign problem, but it's not really a serious problem in America. It's, not, it's an inner city problem. It's not a problem in, in rural America. And it, but it's a problem everywhere, because people are depraved everywhere. Right. And then sexual perversion is one of the driving forces of the of the world and the evil that goes on in the world. So we know it's going to be everywhere. 
So, you know, if people want to want to know, get more information from me or, or start a conversation about how can we help, how can we get engaged, they just need to email. Uh, I'm going to put you more on the spot, Pastor Charlie. I want you to pray for a call of action to the church and the body of Christ to deal with these situations and then pray for the people that might be in the situation that need the Lord. I'm going to love to pray. Um, Lord, I just, uh, Lord, I just thank you for um, your ability to touch the heart of your people. Yes. And Lord, I'm asking for you to transplant your compassion and your empathy into every one of us that claim to be your servants, your sons, your daughters. Lord, I'm asking for the cry of your heart for the broken to become the cry of our heart. Lord, and when we become the heartbeat your heartbeat, we become the church that has a heartbeat. And I'm asking you to uh, reveal to us um, the engagement strategies of prayer, of finance, and engagement. Yes, Lord, give us, give us um, uh, um, uh, insight uh, to what you're doing on the earth today. I thank you that your word said that we win in the end. And I thank you that this battle is your battle, but you're asking for our involvement so that you get the glory. Lord, I'm asking to um, put the network of your kingdom together where you're king and you rule. And I just, I just declare and decree it that the gospel, the good news of the kingdom will be preached to every soul. Lord, those that are broken will find a trans transformation of identity in you. And let the church carry an anointing that will become an attractant to every other agency because we have the answer, and it's you. We thank you for it yes, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 I'd like to thank my guests today very much for being on the Millennium Beat. Well, thanks for having me. All right, everybody else, we'll see you guys next week. Take care. Thanks for tuning in today to the Millennium Beat podcast. I hope you heard something that was encouraging to you. We'd like to hear from you with your stories, so write us at stories at themillenniumbeat.com or give us a call at 407-624-9957 and leave us a voicemail. You may also find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we have a YouTube channel. Please like us and share us with your friends. You may also go to our website at themillenniumbeat.com and you'll find our podcast and our YouTube video. You also may find a calendar there with past and future guests and dates and times. Plus, another way for you to contact us with your stories or questions. This has been a Millennium Beat LLC production, copyright 2020. Views and opinions of the guests are not always the views and opinions of the Millennium Beat LLC. You've been listening to the Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. I'm going to give you a little snippet of a show called Family Matters with your host, Paul Kendall. If you want to hear more shows like that, go to KendallFamilyNetwork.com. Once again, I'd like to thank Paul Kendall for the use of his show. Welcome to Family Matters, a daily look inside the real world of parents and their children. I'm your host, Paul Kendall. I once heard of a study where several monkeys were placed in a room with a tall pole in the middle.
Sitting on top of the pole was a stalk of bananas. But every time a monkey would begin to climb the pole to get the bananas, it would be sprayed with water. Eventually, even though they were practically starving, none of the monkeys would attempt to climb the pole. Then, a monkey that knew nothing about the water spray was placed into the room. As soon as he became hungry, up the pole he went, only to be pulled down quickly by the other monkeys, even though there was no longer the threat of water spray. Sounds like just a case study of ignorant monkeys until you consider that many parents do the exact same thing with their children. We've tried for the good jobs only to get sprayed down with opposition. We've reached for our dreams but been knocked down so many times we don't even try anymore. We'd rather starve. Then, a child that knows nothing about the opposition is born into our home. And as soon as they get hungry for their dreams, we quickly pull them down because we don't want them to experience the same obstacles we faced, even though the obstacles may no longer be there. In Philippians 4.13, the Apostle Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, this was a man who faced incredible obstacles, shipwrecked, beaten, and malnourished, Yet, no matter how many times he got knocked down, he stayed focused on the mark. He called it the prize. You might say, the bananas at the top of the pole. And he refused to give up. So it should be for our children. Protecting them is one thing. Holding them back from their God-given dreams is another. Peer pressure and the weight of this world's system will work against them well enough. What they need from us is encouragement, positive comments, and affirmation. Just because you've tried and failed, don't assume that your children will suffer the same. No, be their greatest cheerleader, and every time they get knocked down, encourage them to get back up and try again. And by the way, I hear that the water's been turned off, so you might even try another shot at the bananas yourself. That's Family Matters. I'm Paul Kendall.